Good morning, good morning. I appreciate that introduction from Pastor Sam. For those of you who do not know me, uh, my name is Aaron Stepp. I'm I've been a pastor at a church called Lifeline in Princeton for the last 14 years. Um, I do want to say this. I am, one, a Pentecostal preacher. The 930 struggled with that just a hair bit. So you guys are going to talk back to me. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Uh, But my wife was raised Baptist, so it's good. It's going to be okay. Don't be uncomfortable. But I do know this. We have two services at the church that I serve at, our main campus in Princeton. There is a time limit on the first service but not the second. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I do feel I do feel like faith. I call you guys family because I feel like I am family. The first time I ever actually attended your service, I led worship for Pastor Jason in 2010. That's a lot longer than I wish it was ago. And back whenever you guys were down at the armory in the auxiliary building there, it's amazing to see what God has been doing here, because I show up here about once every year or so. And the last time I was here, we were still over in a gym, and now you guys have this amazing facility. Can I just say, it is an amazing work what God is doing here at the Faith Family. And, I mean, Pastor Jason's not here, so Pastor Jason, I say this with all the love in my heart. Y'all need to knock out some more walls, looks like. Man, it's amazing to see what God is doing. But I actually have family that attend this church, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, a guy that was like my big brother, big brother Brunny back there running the soundboard. He beat me up a lot whenever I was younger. My friend Gavin, Sam, so many people, too many people to name. But I do feel like family. And I say that because I'm going to preach like I'm preaching to my family this morning. And as you go ahead and grab your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 22. That's going to be where our main text is coming from. There's going to be about 26 verses of Scripture read today. And I want to say this, I'm so thankful for who you have been and the faith family has been to my family. And I believe in a very busy, productive season for our church back home. I believe that the Lord sent me here on assignment. And I'm praying that something, not that I say, but something that the word of God says out of Genesis 22 sticks in your heart. And I feel like the Lord sent me here today to to ask you a question. And if I asked you this question, every single person in the sanctuary would raise their hand, yes, this is me. If I ask you, hey, who wants to to grow their faith? Everybody would be like, yeah, me, I do. Everybody would say, that's awesome, that's great. Um, But something that I've learned in my Christian walk for the last several years is the Lord does not expand our faith typically the most whenever we're sitting in a really comfortable pew, or we don't have pews anymore. Sorry, I'm a church boy. It's been a long time. Uh, but, but whenever you sit in a Sunday service, and it's air-conditioned, and we're reading the Word, you're not supposed to forsake the gathering of the saints, but something that I've understood, it's actually in the testing season where the Lord expands your faith the most. And that's what we're going to be reading about in Genesis 22. So let's go ahead and buckle up. Touch your neighbor. Say, buckle up. <laughs> yeah, y'all like the 930. Y'all don't know. Touch your second favorite neighbor. Say, buckle up. We're going to see what the Lord has in store for us today. But before I dive into this word, I want to say where I got this message from. I'm going to be very transparent with you. Typically, whenever I come up here, I've got like a whole bunch of notes and all this stuff. But the message that I'm preaching today, it's a message that's been in my bones for several months. And um, I'll share this with you guys as well. When the Lord gave me this passage of Scripture, it wasn't in a really pretty place in my life. It was August, and I was sitting at an amazing coffee shop 
here in Beckley, actually, the chocolate mousse, which I did not know is taking residence in y'all's church. And I'm back next Sunday, y'all. That's my favorite coffee shop. I love it. And I was sitting there, and it's so amazing how the Lord works. I had tears literally streaming down my face because I was in a season that, that, was, that was a test, man. I had actually just started a, a sabbatical from our church for three weeks. The pastor there, our lead pastor, Pastor JB, lovingly, he was like, hey, son, it's been 14 years. You need a break. And my mom had just got diagnosed with cancer, and there was just a lot going on in my life. And I sat there at the chocolate mousse with my favorite cinnamon dolce cold brew. Hey, man, I don't know if y'all got that, but I'm going to have to get one of those before I leave. And I was sitting there, and the Lord just began to speak to me in Genesis chapter 22. And this is amazing. I don't know if you're here today or not. There was a gentleman witnessing to someone sitting beside me, and he landed the witnessing with, you need to come to church with me on Sunday. I go to this amazing church called Faith Community Church. So I don't know if you're here today, but my friend, it's amazing to see what the Lord is doing. But I'm thankful that the Word of God isn't just for us on, on the pretty days, in the easy days, but it's for us on the testing days. So I, I want to do this. I'm going to read my first verse, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Let's read that together, and then let's dive into what the Lord has for us. Genesis 22, verse 1 says, Sometime later, God tested. I want you to highlight that. I want you to underline that in your Bible. God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham. Now watch this. He says, Here I am. Abraham replied. Touch your neighbor say, Here I am. Touch your second favorite neighbor, say, here I am. I came here to tell you something. I don't know if you know this or not, but I promise you, God is going to test you eventually in your life, just like he did Abraham. So I want to I shed some light on a couple of things, and uh, I, I promise you this. If you signed up for Christianity just because you're like, hey, I like it. It's nice and warm. They have small groups. They babysit my children for free on Sunday morning. This is awesome. I, I, I'm here to tell you, that's not what the Christian walk is. Sometime in your life, God's going to come, and he's going to show up, and he's going to test your faith. Because in that testing, what you're about to see, he's going to grow an obedience and a trust in him. Because God is jealous to be the number one thing in your life. And he's going to grow your faith through a testing and a difficult season. God's going to test your faith. So I denounce the lie of the enemy that if you don't think that God's not going to test your faith, I'm sorry, you're serving the wrong God. But here's what happens. I love you, church. I'm preaching to myself. Here's what happens in common American Western culture. We get something confused with the testing. And I want to make sure that we're very clear first and foremost. There is a difference between God testing you and you being tempted by something that the world has. There's a big difference between I'm in the season of testing. Y'all, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor a long time. 90% of the time, whenever the Lord, somebody sends someone into our church, pastor, we got to meet. I sit down and I meet with them. The Lord's just testing me. And I ask them what happened, and I'm not going to share it publicly, but I was like, my friend, that is not a test for you to send that inappropriate message on Facebook Messenger. That is called temptation, my friend. There's a difference. I'm going somewhere with this. There's a difference between being tested and being tempted, and if we're going to grow our faith, we have to know and identify that I'm in a testing season. Because the enemy will come in and tell you, hey, you're in a test. How dare God do this? God only tests you because he loves you and he's merciful and he's powerful and he's going to see you through, but he's going to test you. He's never going to tempt you. And let me 
show you in the Word of God because the Word of God in James chapter 1 clearly defines the difference between a temptation and a test. Let's go there. James chapter 1 verse 13 says this, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. What I love about James chapter 1 is right before that scripture, God clearly defines what his heart is whenever he tests you. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing, come on, touch your neighbor real loud, say testing. That the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and not lack anything. So if you want to have a mature, complete faith, you have to endure the testing. But we have to know and recognize so if there's something at work in your life how you know the difference between a testing and a temptation a temptation is going to lead you away from God and a testing is going to lead you closer to him and we have to clearly be able to define the two so now that we know some of you in here man you're going through some temptation temptation requires repentance and then you just move on from it it's a simple fix temptation needs repentance move on but a testing well, we're about to read a testing. Sometimes it's a lot longer than just one day. Sometimes it's a season of life. And I believe that the Lord sent me here today in one of the busiest times of our church. I believe he gave me this word because some of you are being tested right now. And I'm here to encourage you with the word of God that we're going to align our heart with the word of God and see exactly what we can learn of how a man of faith named Abraham dealt with a testing season. And that's how we are going to deal with with a testing season. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Let's read that. Let's read that again. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. What happens next, what happens next is God lays out what's about to happen in Abraham's life. Verse number two. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac. Highlight this. Whom you love. God knew just how much Isaac meant to Abraham. He said, whom you love and go to the region of Moriah. And on one of those mountains, I will tell you about sacrifice him. Now, if you've been in church any amount of time, you know what we normally do? We go on to verse 3 and we just keep reading. But we need to pause for just a second because there's no way that you could read that and actually understand what God just told Abraham, a man of faith, what he was about to require of him in his testing. He said, I want you to take your son, the son that God had promised Abraham. He said, I want you to take him, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, for those of you who maybe you're a biblical scholar, you know things. There was actually another son that Abraham had, but God didn't call for Ishmael. God called for Isaac, the one that God had promised And Isaac was a promise fulfilled. He said, in whom you love. Church, I love you. 
God is not going to test you with something you do not like. He's going to test you with something that means something to you. Now, can I prove to you here in just a moment just how much Isaac actually meant to Abraham? Because you have to understand something. When the Lord tests you and he comes to your front door, he's not going to test you with something that doesn't mean. He's going to test you with one of the most difficult seasons of your life. And he's not doing it out of hatred. He's doing it out of love as we're about to learn. But I want to show you. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you have no idea who's Abraham, who's Isaac. I don't know. Let me show you in Scripture really quick exactly who they were. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18. Then the Lord said to Abraham, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were really, really old. And Sarah was well past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I have this pleasure of having a child? Then the Lord said to Abraham, this ain't good, y'all. Why does Sarah laugh? (laughs) If you're a husband in the room, that's not a good place for you to be. Why does Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm this old? And watch this. He said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at this appointed time next year. Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied. Not not good. So she lied, and she said, I did not laugh. But the Lord said, yeah, you did. Now, we're not going to preach about that, but can can I tell you something? What God had just asked of Abraham was a promise that God had made Abraham and sought to fruition. But there's something that's interesting in Genesis chapter 18 that we need to let settle in our hearts. And it said this, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Because in a season of testing, when the Lord comes knocking on your door and it's a difficult season and it's a trying season and there's things going on in your life that you do not understand. He's knocking on your door, testing you not to belittle you or hurt you, but to show you just how powerful he really is. And in order for you to declare, is there anything that's actually too hard for the Lord? Then he's going to bring you to a season where he can actually prove it. The Lord comes to Abraham and says, I want you to sacrifice the very promise that I made you. Church, can you look up here at me? I think it's very easy for us to say, well, just because I love something, God would never mess with that. You signed up for the wrong God, my friend. If you think for one second that the Lord isn't going to come and test you with the very things that you love, he does it because he wants to make sure nothing has taken his place. So are you in love with the promises of God or the promise keeper? Have we fallen in love with the fruit that the Lord gives us of our life or have we still fallen in love with him? It's so easy. It's so countercultural, but it's so easy to go to church. It's so easy to go to church in America because, hey, man, who... Who wouldn't want to come and be surrounded by a bunch of people? Y'all had 15 high fives and hugs by the time you got in here. And then you got small groups and people watching your kids and it's low lights and people can sing together and it's awesome. Let's get connected. That's easy, man. It's easy. But whenever you get your faith tested, the Lord does that so he reminds you, hey, hey, are you, are you signed up to serve me just because they watch your kids for an hour and a half? Or are you signed up to serve me because you really love me? That's what was taking place here. Now, what I'm about to show you 
is Abraham's response teaches us so much. God asked something from Abraham that was one of the most important things, if not the singular most important thing in his life, his only son, his son Isaac. Watch what Abraham's response was when God was testing him. Watch this. It's in verse 3. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. In verse 2, God says, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And what happens in verse 3 is something we all can learn. Abraham did not hesitate. He offered God immediate obedience. Y'all, if the Lord came knocking in verse 2 and said something to me like that, you know what I'm doing? I'm sleeping in. I'm having every meeting that I possibly can. Lord, I'm too busy to go and do this. I've got a full schedule. I'm trying to serve you. No, no, no. Abraham said, early in the morning, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go cut the wood, and I'm going to go saddle the donkey. And this is very important, church. It's very important for us to realize something. Abraham was a very, very wealthy man. He could have said, hey, you servants that I'm taking, why don't you all go cut the wood? Why don't you all go saddle the donkeys? But the Lord didn't ask obedience from the servants. He asked obedience from Abraham. Y'all, I'm a church boy. I grew up in church where I got beat if I didn't want to go to church. And I still had to go. Still had to go. But my faith of my mom and dad and my grandparents and my lineage of Christianity, God didn't ask for their obedience. They asked for mine. Because your family that maybe have drugged you here, the Lord isn't asking you to get them to go do something. He's asking you to do something. So you have to take ownership and say, Lord, I'm going to give you this obedience, immediate, instantaneous obedience to something that he didn't want to do. Abraham would have never wanted to do that, but he did it because he wanted to obey God. He was a man of faith. I don't know where you're at today, but... Somebody in this room, you're being tested in this season, and you've been putting off obedience. Can I tell you something? Today is the day that that needs to change. Today needs to be the day where you walk into a season of obedience, whether it's something you want to do or not. Because I promise you, what we're about to read, what takes place in Abraham's life, is something that can take place in air life, and we can apply it to our life. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse number four. It said, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go and the boy go over there. Watch this. Highlight this. He says, we will worship and then we will come back to you. I told you to highlight that first part. He said, on the third day. Man, I'm I'm talking to somebody in this room right now. On the third day, whenever you read this, it's so easy just to glance over. But can you imagine that? He got up early one morning. Abraham did. And the journey he was about to go on, he didn't wake up at 6 a.m. and then the Lord showed him what he was supposed to do at 8 a.m. He had to ride with his son the sacrifice for three days, and he never turned back. A three-day journey. A season of testing, my friend. It's just that. It's a season. 
It's going to last longer than just a day sometimes. But can I tell you something? So often it's so easy for us to, we turn back. Because we live in a common culture that says, I only care about how I feel. I only care about what I want. Why do you think the divorce rate is so high? I want to I I talk to you about something here real quick. I mentioned it in the nine. I think this is really important. On the third day, he never turned back. What would have happened if he would have turned back on the second day? What would have happened? He would have never actually got to walk in the promise fulfilled because here's what you have to understand. When you're in a testing season, God wasn't in his ear saying, hey, stay on that donkey, keep going. He didn't say, hey, go cut that wood. Abraham just did what the Lord told him to do. And he kept going. Don't sell yourself short. Don't sell your marriage short. Don't sell your family short by giving up on the second day just because you aren't happy. But I'm here to tell you, in order to see the blessing, you have to continue on. You have to continue on to see God's provision. You can't give up. So it said on the third day. Now, had you highlight something else and underline something else that's extremely important, it said, we will worship. Did you know that that reference of worship is only used one time in the Bible? And that is the first time that the word worship is used in the entire scripture. The first time the word worship is ever said in scripture is right here. He wasn't in a service. He wasn't here on Sunday morning singing with Pastor Sam. That actual meeting, when you look up the original Greek, I have a little bit of an accent, and I would butcher it if I tried to say what it actually was. But it's only used one time. And the original Greek meaning of we will worship right there means to bow down. Obedience birthed worship. Obedience birthed worship. Because there is a worship that you can offer the Lord in a season of testing that you can never offer him at any other time. Y'all, like I said, it's so easy to come in here and worship. But you know what real worship is sometimes on Tuesday whenever you get the phone call that your mom has cancer? That's what real worship is. Real worship is on Thursday whenever you get bad news and something's going on and it seems like there's difficulty in your life and the pregnancy test comes back negative again. You can't understand what's going on. The season of testing births of worship. So we, what do we really have to offer the Lord? Have you ever sat down and thought about that? The God that spun the universe with his very voice, what we have to offer him, we have to offer him obedience. That's worship in the eyes of God. He said, we will worship. The first time it's ever used to bow down, to bow low. And then I I like this. It said, we will come back to you. That's not a typo, by the way. It's a plural. I'm not, I I am in no way an English teacher. I don't know if y'all know that or not. Should be very apparent. He said, we will come back. You want to know why? Because Abraham had an unshakable faith in God, even in the middle of a testing season. Let me show you. Let me show you what Abraham actually believed. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, it says this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to be sacrificed, his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead so that in that manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. When Abraham makes this statement that we will worship and we will come back, 
He said, if, even if God makes me kill my son, I believe that God can raise him from the dead. I love you, church. Let me speak to somebody. Stop trying to figure out what God's trying to do in this testing season of your life. Isaiah 55 says, his ways are not airways. And the sooner you come to grips with that, the sooner you understand you make a really bad God in your life. When you surrender, you say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. Because if you try to say, God, I believe I've got it figured out. If you're testing me with this and you're asking me to lay down this job and I'm supposed to go over here and I'm supposed to do this, then this is what I think you're going to do. But that's not how it works. God just asks for your obedience. And out of obedience, there will be a worship. And out of that worship, he's going to make a way for you. Abraham said, even if I slay my son, I believe that God can do it. But you know what that means? Abraham couldn't reason with God. He couldn't reason with him. God, I believe that this is what you're going to do. I believe you're going to call me up there and then you're going to do this. He said, even if God does what he says he's requiring of me, he will raise my son from the dead. So I'm speaking to somebody in this room right now. The reason you can't obey God is because you think you've already got it figured out. In this season of testing, you think, well, if I do this and do this, and then it's going to equal this. I've learned something in a Christian walk, my friend, that a mature Christian just gives obedience, and we say, whatever God does, I'm going to trust him with it. And he's calling out to you today to stop trying to reason and trying to figure out that the Lord's going to do something in your life that you never would have imagined. But you just have to let him be God in your life, and you have to surrender the God of control in your life. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. He says, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke to his father Abraham. He said, Father, yes, son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Watch this. Abraham answered, God himself will provide. Touch your neighbor say provide. Touch your other neighbor and whisper just because that's what y'all doing right now. And that's okay. Just say provide. God will provide. If we're honest with each other, you know what we like to do? I like to provide. I like to figure it out. I like to provide it. But in the season of testing, we have to offer God obedience. And out of that obedience, there's a worship. And out of that worship, there's a trust that the Lord will provide. But you know what we do so often? Somewhere on the three-day journey, we turn back because we don't like what's going on. Y'all, I'm going to talk to all the married people in the room real quick. My wife's in the room with us right now, so she won't mind. I didn't okay this, but I'm going to okay it later, right? Hey, man, if you've been married, you understand that the first few years of marriage, not easy. Not easy. But we don't get the benefit of surviving the test and getting God's provision because we would have turned it back too soon. Marriages end in divorce. It's like 52% of marriages end in divorce because we're so concerned about what we want and not what God wants. We're so concerned about I want to provide what I want. I want my emotions soothed. I want this. This is what I want in this season the whole time. It's not, about, it's not about what you want, my friend. God didn't promise you that. He promised he would provide. And sometimes we love what he provides, and sometimes we don't. 
But I can promise you the provision of God is better than whatever you are going to provide in the first place. Obedience in the testing season births a worship. And that worship births a trust. And that trust shows that God will provide. He said God will provide in this season. No matter what that's going to look like, God will provide. And some of you in this room, you're in a test. And I say this over you, my friend, that it's difficult. And it's so easy to turn back. It's so easy to give up on the second day. But I'm walking in a fruitful, amazing marriage because me and my wife didn't give up when things got hard. We don't get the provision of God because we give up too soon. We don't get the provision of God because somewhere on the second day of the journey we give up. So I'm speaking to some marriages in the room, my friend. Do not give up. The provision of God is going to sustain you. The provision of God is going to see you through. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Then Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went up together. And when they reached the place God had told them, Abraham built an altar there. And he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now let's pause here for a second. Let's pause here. Abraham is about 99 years old. Isaac, his son, is 18 at this time. I'm not a betting man. But if I said Isaac or Abraham going to win that fight, it's Isaac every single time. Because <laughs> I've never seen a 99-year-old be able to take an 18-year-old. But, but the son had a trust in the father. There was a trust. Can I speak to somebody today? That same trust that Isaac has in Abraham is the same trust that we have to have in our heavenly father. That, man, you may feel like God is laying you out on an altar right now about to sacrifice. And you're like, God, I don't understand. But there's a trust that we have to have with our heavenly father. If you want to see God's provision, you have to be able to trust him. And I'm speaking to somebody in the room right now. You're about to give up. You're about to turn back. You don't know what's going on. You seem like you're just in the fire right now. It's in a test, but I promise you this. God's a lot closer than what you think he is. And though his word says he's never going to leave you nor forsake you, you have to trust him. You have to trust him whenever it seems like the furnace is getting turned seven times hotter, just like in Daniel chapter 3, you have to trust him. And in a weak and anemic American church, I believe there's some people here in faith that said, when they turn the fire and the test up ten times hotter, I'm still going to trust in the word of God. I'm still going to trust in him. I'm still going to trust him during the trial. I'm still going to trust him in the test. I'm still going to trust him whenever I feel like my hands and my feet are bound. I'm still going to trust him whenever God tells me to change jobs. I'm still going to trust him when the pregnancy test comes back negative. I'm still going to trust him that I know that if he promised it, he will see it through. That in the test, I'm going to trust him. Now let's keep reading. Abraham answered and said, God himself will provide the lamb. For the burnt offering, the two of them went up together. And when they reached this place, Abraham built an altar there. He arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and laid the wood on top of him. I don't know, man. If I was Isaac, I probably would have just hopped up there, but he stayed. And he reached out his hand and took the knife, the son. But the angel of the Lord said from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, watch this. Underline it in your Bible. It says, here I am, he replied. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but if I was Abraham, I've been going real slow. He stopped real quick. But watch his response. Look at me, Faith. Watch his response. He said, here I am. 
it's the exact same response Abraham had in verse 1 when God spoke. You want to know why? Because the situation didn't change Abraham's heart towards his God. The test didn't harden his heart towards God. Man, I'm speaking to somebody in the room. You've been through a trial. You've been through a test. I said this in the night, man. I'm a, I'm a pastor that, man, I've stood beside so many caskets that I didn't understand. I've, I've been in hospital rooms that I didn't understand, and it didn't make sense to me. And it's so easy when the test comes that you harden your heart towards the Lord. But what Abraham is teaching us, we have to choose to trust the Lord. And when you really trust in him, even in the midst of the test, when he calls your name, you say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. My son is still bound on the altar, but you speak, here I am. Things don't seem to be working out, and I feel like I'm still in the middle of a test and a trial. But he speaks to you, and you say, here I am, Lord. I came here to challenge somebody in the room that you've changed your response to God because of the test that you're going through. But the Bible says he quickly takes a hardened heart of stone and turns it to a tender heart of flesh. And I believe, I'm speaking to somebody in the room, I said it in the 9 a.m. and I'll say it now. And some of you here work, walked in here with church hurt. God did not hurt you, people hurt you. And you need to soften your heart again. There's some things that have been taking place in your marriage. You need to soften your heart. There's some things that have been taking place in your life. It's a testing, and you've hardened your heart towards God. And he's calling out to you today that he's a loving and kind father, and he's got something to provide for you in the middle of this test. So don't stop now. You really want to stop God working in your life? Harden your heart towards him. But even in the midst of the test, what Abraham is showing us, his response did not change. He said, here I am. Can I have some people come up to the music for me real quick? I'm going to call the prayer team up here in just a minute. I'm going to finish reading this text, and I want to show you something. Abraham's response did not change, and because his response did not change, something takes place. And let's see what happens here. He says, here I am. Verse 12, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only Son, can I challenge you today, faith family? What are you withholding from God in the season of testing? What is it you're withholding? What is it you're gripping on to that's giving you a bitter spirit and making you upset with the Lord and you're saying, I don't want anything to do with him because he didn't do this? I've said it. He's not a genie in a bottle that just gives you whatever you want. He gives you what you need. And sometimes his provision doesn't look like what you want. But let's be mature Christians that said, I'd rather have what God has for me in his provision than even what I want. Now that you fear the Lord and you haven't withheld anything from me, not even your only son, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket was a ram caught by his horns. And he went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide it's still known as today. Can I talk to somebody in the room? When you have a heart that says, I'm just going to obey God, I'm just going to trust Him, my response to the Lord when He calls my name is always going to be, here I am. You know what the Lord does? He establishes markers in your life that will outlive you. 
He'll provide markers in your life that said, look what the Lord did. And then those testimonies of God providing for you, when you're long gone, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren will say, I remember what happened, and I remember what the Lord did in my family. And if he did it then, he can do it again. If he did it for my grandmother, he'll do it again. Because I came to tell you, the same God that did it for Abraham can do it for you. He can provide. Their obedience in the test, it births a trust in a God that will last generations. I know you're in the middle of the trial. I know you're in the middle of the test. I know you're in the middle of the difficult season, but don't harden your heart towards God because he's going to provide. It may not be exactly what you want, but I promise you whatever he provides you with is something that will last generations of your life. Because there's, a, there's a, a scripture in the book of Romans chapter 8 that I think summarizes everything that I've been trying to say here. That in the middle of the test, we just want God to turn it and make everything good. But that's not what he does. Here's what he actually does. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things, the good things, the bad things, the difficult things, the broken things, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. You know what that scripture doesn't say? It said he's going to make the situation good. He does not promise that he's going to make the situation good, but he does promise he's going to work it for your good. That's two very different things. So we have to choose to be a people of God that said, it may not be good, and he may not even turn it good, but he's going to work it for my good because I trust him, because I'm going to listen to his voice, because I'm going to keep my heart tender towards him, because I'm always going to turn back towards him, because my response to God is always going to be, here I am. some of the prayer team come forward for me really quick. Can we stand all over the room with eyes closed as they come? I'm going to end this service a little bit differently than I did in the 9 a.m. So come on, every head bowed, nobody looking around right now. I believe there's some people in here that you're in a season of testing. I don't know where you're at in that journey, but I feel like there's some individuals that you feel like you've been tested for a long time and you're struggling and there's difficulty and there's brokenness and you feel so alone and there's things that are going on in your life and you're on the three day journey and God's asking you to sacrifice something great if you feel that right now you say man Pastor Aaron I'm just in the middle of a test right now can you just lift up your hand all over the room yeah yeah man hands everywhere hands everywhere that's great you can put them down you can put them down so here's 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 what I want to do I want to pray. I want to pray over everyone in the room. Maybe you're going through a test, and if you're not going through a test yet, you will. But after I get finished praying, here's what I want to do. If you raise your hand, this amazing prayer team wants to pray with you. I don't know what you're going on, what's going on in your season of testing, but I can promise you this. I speak over you this morning. The Lord's going to provide. Do not give up now. Don't change your heart towards him. Let this house be a house that says, here I am. So Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that your word takes root in our hearts and that there's 
individuals in this room that have been going through a season of testing and a season of trying and a season of difficulty. But Lord, right now in this moment, we commit to you a fresh obedience. And out of that obedience, you're going to birth a worship and a trust in you. And out of that trust, you're going to provide. And out of that provision, it's going to be a marker in our lives for generations to come. That said, if God did it then, he can do it again. And if he did it for Abraham, he can do it again. So Lord, I pray right now your strength begin to arise in the individuals. Because we remember your word that you have not left us nor forsaken us. Lord, to the individual that's struggling in the middle of the test right now, I pray you surround them with your love and mercy and grace and your power, Jesus. That you're a miracle-working God. And I believe at the end of this test, there are going to be individuals that are going to be able to testify of your miracle-working power. So, Lord, do the work in our hearts right now, Jesus. Lord, I pray... For every individual, there's some people in this room that have hardened their heart towards you. Lord, we give you that heart of stone and we ask you to take it and turn it into a tender heart of flesh. There's some people in this room that have been through situations that it's changed their response to you, Jesus. They've had to stand beside a casket that they didn't understand. They had to go and get a diagnosis that they didn't understand. But Lord, I believe you're going to provide and you're going to work it to their good because that's what your word says. That I don't understand you. And I never will in certain instances. But Lord, I pray for those individuals that their response to you is, Here I am, Jesus. I've walked away, but I'm coming home now. Here I am. And I don't hold things against you that you didn't do, Lord. But in the middle of the test, you're going to work it for our good. You're going to provide for us. Come on, man. I feel I, I didn't share this. I didn't share this in... In the 9 a.m., every head bowed, nobody looking around. But I feel the Lord just stirring this in the room for someone. My seven-week-old daughter is in the room with us. And right before my wife and I got pregnant, we were sharing this the other day. We had got a text message from a good, well-meaning doctor that said we wouldn't be able to have any other children. But I'm standing here today to tell you if he did it for me, he can do it for you. That the Lord's provision will see you through. And it wasn't easy and there was difficulty, but I promise you, my friend, that the Lord's going to provide something in the middle of a difficult test. You just can't give up on him. You've got to let faith begin to arise and say, if he did it for someone else, I know he can do it for me. And I'm just going to trust him no matter what that is. So Lord, I pray that there's just a trust that begins to arise in the room. God, I say thank you for the faith family and what you're doing in our hearts, stirring our affections for you, Jesus. So let us receive your word. So I want to do something right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're going to have to tap a neighbor and say, hey, there were hands all over the room. If you say, I need prayer this morning, I'm going through a test, I'm going through a trial, I'm going to ask that you make your way forward. I'm going to ask that you just make your way forward. There were hands all over the room. And as they're doing that, making their way forward, I'm just going to take a second and pray a prayer of dismissal. Lord, I say thank you so much for the faith family and what you're doing here. Lord, I've tried to honor your word as best as I can. Lord, let it be a deposit in their spirit for the difficulties that come on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. That we're going to obey you and our heart's going to say, here I am, Jesus. Whatever it is you have in store, I'm going to trust your provision. I'm going to trust in you. 
Lord, I pray that over my faith family. Lord, I pray that you give wisdom and discernment for what they're doing here in Beckley and beyond. Lord, I pray that you just expand their territories, Lord. I pray you give them wisdom in the season of expansion and growth and the amazing things that you're doing here. Lord, I pray that you soften the hearts of the individuals that come to this church, that they see and they know that you are alive and active here. Lord, let this be a hub where addiction is broken here in Beckley. Lord, I pray that right now, Jesus. I say thank you. I say thank you for my faith family and what they're doing. Come on, and all the faith family said together, amen. If you're not getting prayer, you're dismissed. I love you, faith family. Thank you so much.